For several weeks, I've been in a series that has been looking at those or some of the individuals who were around the scene of the cross, looking at the lives of those who witnessed and were impacted by this most historic event. We looked at Simon of Cyrene, who just happened to be passing by. We looked at the Roman centurion who came to the conclusion that surely this was the Son of God. We looked two weeks ago at Joseph of Arimathea and then the Pharisee Nicodemus. And then last week we looked at Peter. In all, we have found faith at the foot of the cross. We have found power to overcome fear at the foot of the cross and the ability to move past failure at the foot of the cross. And today, in a similar but extended theme from last week, I want to take a look at the two thieves who hung on the cross, who hung on crosses next to Jesus and how one of them received forgiveness at the cross. Luke chapter 23. I'll begin reading in verse number 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Everything about the crucifixion, everything about the ordeal leading up to it, everything about the entire drama that unfolded was designed specifically to humiliate Jesus. The trial, the beating, the journey to Calvary, and the mocking that he received on the cross. This also included his proximity and position to where he was crucified, being crucified between two convicted thieves. The idea was to make him appear like just another common criminal. But as God often does, and how many can testify in their own lives, He takes what is meant for evil and turns it into something good. He turned it into an opportunity not only to demonstrate grace, but to offer forgiveness and have someone receive it. What we need to see in this scene from the verses we read today is that when things are going wrong in your life, beloved God is still on the throne. When things are hurting deep within The God that you and I serve is still present. And when things feel like there is no hope, God is still working on your behalf and working things out for your good. God is never late. He is always on time. These two thieves were there for the same reason, being thieves. Who knows, they may have even been partners at some point. But they were there for the same reason the Roman Empire had found them guilty of robbery. They were walking through life with a common set of ethics and a common set of morals. But in the end, they responded to Jesus differently. Even in the midst of their pain, 
even in the midst of this moment, which was nearing the end of their lives. So they may have come to some recognition. And even in the midst of this sense of finality, one of the thieves was able to see Jesus for who he really is at this moment. What this shows me is church, don't ever give up on anybody. Doesn't matter how far they have strayed. Doesn't matter how much evil they've done. Doesn't matter how much they've hurt you. It doesn't matter how long they've continued in unhealthy behaviors. No one is ever beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. And what's interesting about this scene is that the way the Gospel of Luke records it is that the one thief rebukes the other. But Matthew's Gospel and Mark's Gospel show that in the beginning, both of these thieves were giving Jesus a hard time. Both of them were insulting him. Both of them were mocking him. The Bible says in New King James, they were both reviling him. Yet somehow in the midst of those six hours that they were there on that cross, one of those thieves had a revelation. One of those thieves found the ability to come to Jesus. Don't ever give up on anybody. Don't ever give up on anybody. While going through their own crucifixion experiences, one of the thieves was able to focus on the abuse that Jesus endured and the way Jesus responded And it changed him. He knew that he and the other thief, they were there because they belonged there. They were there because they had committed the crimes for which they had been found guilty. One of them knew he was getting, they were both getting what they deserved. That they were guilty as charged. But in the midst of all this, he could see that Jesus was different. And that on this day, One that probably started out with him thinking, this will be the worst day. This will be the last day of my life. It turned out to be the best day of his life as it was the day he came to know Jesus. On this day, he asked for and found and received forgiveness from the one who came to die for his sins. So I want to look at two aspects of this forgiveness that they found at the cross. That God's forgiveness is full. It's not incomplete. God's forgiveness is full. And God's forgiveness is free. And I will explain that. God's forgiveness is full. The Lord's forgiveness is full in that he forgives all sin. There is no sin beyond his love. There is no sin beyond his forgiveness. There is no sin limit that God has imposed that when you reach this level, I'm sorry you've gone over your quota. We have to now reach a charge or do something. No, all sin is forgiven at the foot of the cross. No matter how long you've been away from the Lord, no matter how much you've done, God remains ready and willing to forgive. What we need to remember is that God's forgiveness is full and it's complete. And that has nothing to do with how awesome we are. Yes, you are all awesome. You're wonderful. You're outstanding. But none of that played a factor in God extending forgiveness to you and me. We we have forgiveness because Jesus is awesome. Because Jesus is wonderful. 
The fullness of his forgiveness is available to us because of what Jesus did on the cross. A sacrifice was made for our sins. Holy justice required payment for transgressions. And Jesus died truly to redeem you and I. We know the verses from Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But church, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Somebody shout with me. That is worth giving God praise. We can have peace today because he was chastised and beaten. We can have joy today because he was wounded and suffered. We can receive forgiveness because Jesus paid the price. God's forgiveness is full or it's complete. No sin is beyond him. We may have, we may as a culture, we may as humanity think, except for that sin or this one we may have sins that we can think of that we believe that are beyond throughout church history some have thought adultery was unforgivable some may believe the practice of homosexuality is unforgivable some might call murder unforgivable some might call the abuse of a child unforgivable years ago if you read through church history not that far ago It was thought that divorce was unforgivable. But in Jesus, nothing is beyond his reach. Church, nothing is beyond his reach. Our world will try and tell you and me that there are things where we should just give up on people, that we should just toss them to the side. I'm so glad that I don't serve the world. I serve Jesus. You know, and the world will try and offer, even for the sins that it says can be forgiven, the world will try and offer its own solutions of how to get there, how to deal with sin and guilt. Philosophy says, think your way out of it. Just sit and think long enough, and all of a sudden your guilt and sins will wash away. Our culture says, drink and drug your way out of it, and then you'll feel different and everything will be okay. Politics says, legislate your way out of it. I won't even comment on how Poorly that works. Industry will say, work your way out of it. Work hard enough and you'll feel better about all the things that have gone wrong in your life. The world's armies say, fight your way out of it. But Jesus says, I am the way out of it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And he's the only way. He's the only way. So how does this only way work? First John chapter one, verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice two things there. Not only is Jesus faithful, which means you can count on him and he will forgive our sins. But him forgiving our sins, he says, is just it's right because of the sacrifice that he made on the cross he has the right to forgive us of our sins 
You are never beyond his love. You are never beyond his reach. You are never beyond his redemption. These two thieves saw the same thing. They saw the same man, yet they came to different conclusions. Jesus died for your sins. All of them. All of them, Pastor? All of them. All of them. And he offers forgiveness today. And it's a forgiveness we need to receive. I've heard so many people over the course of my life tell me, the pastor, I just can't forgive that person. Or I've heard more often, I just can't forgive myself. I can forgive others, but I can't forgive myself. I don't think I'm worthy of forgiveness. Jesus disagrees with you. He died for your sins. So if you don't think you're worthy of forgiveness, you can take it up with him. I guarantee you he's going to win that conversation. He died for all the sins, all of our shortcomings, all of our mistakes. God's forgiveness is full. God's forgiveness is also free. Jesus' forgiveness of this thief exposes some more of just the really bad thinking our culture and sadly many areas of the church have about forgiveness. I want to quickly highlight four areas where God's forgiveness is free. First, God forgives apart from works. This man had no opportunity to give a lot of money to the church, attend a bunch of church services. He had no opportunity to get on Facebook Live and see me preach. We had, he had no opportunity to prove anything about anything to anyone. We have this idea that we have to earn God's forgiveness. Well, if you earn it, then it's something you earned, and it minimizes what Jesus did. You have forgiveness, not because you've earned it, but because Jesus redeemed it. He paid the price and gives you that opportunity. We think that we have to do works of penance and contrition, and some of these have just littered church history with the attempt to create visible measures that man could judge as sufficient for forgiveness. The thief said to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Gee, that's not very fancy. Couldn't he have thought of more eloquent words than just that? Some might think, well, this doesn't qualify. But it was all the man knew, and Jesus accepted it. There is no time requirement with Jesus. You don't have to walk with your head down and with the weight of guilt for a certain amount of time. You don't have to walk with this scarlet letter on the back of your uh, shirt before you can know the freedom that is in his forgiveness. You can know that freedom today. You can know that freedom every moment of every day. You can walk in God's freedom right now. So God's forgiveness is apart from works. God's forgiveness is also, in a similar vein, apart from religious practices and ceremonies. This man had no opportunity to be baptized, no opportunity to receive communion, or sit in a priest or preacher's office and ask for forgiveness. How aren't you glad you can go to God directly? You can always go to Jesus. 
Now, if I can ever help you go to Jesus, I will help in any way I can. But how many know you don't have to wait for me to answer my cell phone or catch me on Facebook and Messenger? You can find Jesus right away. You can go to him directly and you can talk to him on your own. And you can receive his love and his joy directly. That's what gets you to connect with him. Hope I don't step on any toes. If I do, oh well. (laughs) Being a member of this church won't get you to heaven. Okay. Being a member of this church won't get you to heaven. Being a faithful attender and a faithful tither won't get you points with Jesus. Which leads to my third point. God's forgiveness doesn't come through church attendance. God's forgiveness doesn't come through being faithful here. God's forgiveness comes through repentance. The thief openly expressed his guilt. The other thief, all he wanted to know is, Jesus, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to get me out of this? He said, deliver yourself. Oh, and us. Don't forget us here. When you break out of here, we want to come along too. But the one thief said, be quiet. We deserve to be here. He was acknowledging his own sin. There was no more hiding. There was no more pointing to other people as the cause of his actions. There was no more pointing to other people as the reasons for his poor attitudes. Pastor, you don't know what I've been going through. This person just... If God would remove them from my life, I'd be okay. I don't find that in God's word. God didn't come to redeem us so that we would need him to do something else before we could be an overcomer. He comes into our lives to give me the power to endure and to overcome and to have the power to withstand any dart of the enemy. There's no more pointing to other people. There's no saying, well, I look at life the way I do because of what I've been through. How others have treated me. We need to understand that when our feelings and our attitudes don't line up with the word of God, there's just no biblical justification for them. He was willing to look at his life, this thief, after being tortured himself, after hanging on a cross himself, he was willing to look at his life, look at his choices, look at everything about him, and then look at them the way God does and say, I deserve to be here. No excuses, no passing the buck. Which leads to the fourth aspect of God's forgiveness being free. God's forgiveness comes through faith. It comes through faith. Admitting your guilt is important. It really is. Embracing our inability to reach God on our own is crucial. Acknowledging that we are helpless in and of ourselves is key. But it all means nothing if we then don't do what the thief on the cross did. It's turn to Jesus. Just wallowing in self-pity won't do it. We need to turn to Jesus. This thief didn't just admit he was getting what he deserved. He then turned to Jesus. This thief didn't just agree, yes, I was guilty. He took that guilt and turned to Jesus. This thief didn't just say all the right words. He took those words and turned to Jesus. 
This thief didn't just know all the proper steps to take. But he knew to turn to Jesus. No matter what we experience in life. We all need in every situation that we go through. To turn to Jesus. No matter how far off the rails life can go. And how many know what life going off the rails means? And it seems like the circumstances have just gone haywire. And the world around us is just completely unrecognizable. We need to turn to Jesus. We need to do what the thief did and turn to the Lord. And he turned to Jesus because he believed turning to Jesus would make a difference. So my question today is, do we believe in any situation, in any circumstance, with any hurt, no matter what we're going through, that turning to Jesus will make a difference in me and make a difference in my situations? God's ability to forgive sin makes it possible to turn to Jesus. God's desire to forgive sin. He not only has the power, he has the desire. He wants to lift that weight of guilt off of our lives if we turn to Jesus. God's longing for an intimate relationship with you and me makes every other choice other than turning to Jesus seem foolish. The only choice that matters in life. His church turned to Jesus. What a day this was. It was a day that the Roman government decided this thief was no longer fit to live on earth. But it was a day that Jesus decided, but you're good enough for heaven. I'll take you there myself. I'll cover you with my blood. I'll cover you that the father will see me and not you. What a day that was. This man was a thief. Some might say a bad thief, and I think that he got caught. Or an evil thief, although that's kind of redundant. But on this day, whether one, some would consider him a bad thief or an evil thief, he became a saved thief. He became a member of heaven. He became a saint. He became one of God's redeemed. Our God is a God of forgiveness. Now, a few weeks ago, I, when we were snowed in, if you can remember what the snow looks like, I know it's, we've all pushed it way out of our heads by now. I talked about forgiveness. And I want to extend that conversation a little bit. Because I do think there, while the world and the church has some very limiting and therefore unbiblical perspectives on the idea of forgiveness. We've also got in the world some unhealthy ways of looking at this. Forgiveness is free. When it comes to God forgiving you and I, I've outlined where I believe that needs to go. Now when we turn to our relationships with each other, We need to follow Jesus' example. Jesus forgave us freely. We need to forgive others freely. That's what the Bible says. We're to forgive as we have been forgiven. We all know the part of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But I want to make a distinction. Forgiveness 
and trust are two different things. Two different things. I've always used the example, if I invited you to become an extended member of my family to the point where you were trusted like any other member of my family and gave you a key to my home and you were part of the family and while we were away you took that key and emptied my house and sold everything for your own benefit, I would forgive you. I would also change the locks on my home (laughs) because forgiveness I need to extend but trust, I need to give you the opportunity to earn back and reclaim. Trust is different. Now, also remember, forgiveness is not for the other person's benefit. It's a common, commonly mentioned phrase. Not forgiving someone and expecting them to be hurt is like you taking poison and expecting somebody else to die. The one who gets hurt by unforgiveness is you and me. That then leads to bitterness, and that grows in me, and that gets in the way of my relationship with the Lord. Besides, how many know people who have wronged us and don't feel anything about it at all? But in Jesus, you can know the freedom and the joy of, of receiving his forgiveness And extending that to others. Our God is a God of forgiveness. Do you know him today? Have you embraced his sacrifice for your sins today? Will you receive today what Jesus has to offer? No matter what your situation, no matter what you're going through, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. His forgiveness really is both full and it's free. I don't know where you are in life and I don't know the specific details of all the craziness that can creep into all of our lives. Sometimes we go through not only experiences or events, but it seems like seasons where we're like, Lord, when is this going to end? And those are fair questions to ask. I'm going to talk more about that on Good Friday when we talk about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But ultimately, no matter what we're going through, what a joy it is to know I'm not alone. That even when I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear anything because, Lord, you are with me. And your rod and your staff bring protection and comfort. We know that 23rd Psalm, and it really is a cry of dependence upon him. And an expression of freedom being in his arms. God is a God of forgiveness. The thief found that in one of the most unlikely moments of his life. It really amazes me to look at the Gospels and that he began the crucifixion ordeal, joining in with the crowd, mocking Jesus, saying all kinds of insults, reviling him. But then he began to look at Jesus, and something changed. That's my prayer for all my unsaved friends and loved ones, that they look at Jesus. 
that they see him just as he is. And that they would see this is the son of God. That they would see he does forgive as Peter found out. That they would see that today they can be with him in paradise. Stand with me, please.